during periods like like they are right now, when you know when the when the you know when the economy or, or the economics are challenging, be a little hesitant in simply you know going out there to and 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 pulling things out of the rash and pulling things out of your program you know even on the health side of it or the breeding side of it or whatever but pulling things out that you think are going to save you money and they probably they may very well save you money today tomorrow for the coming week or the coming month but in the long run they can have some pretty significant implications a whole new era of communication in the dairy industry is coming now you have the brightest minds of the global dairy industry right in your pocket. And what's best? You can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Our Yeast 40, ruminal and intestinal double modulation by ICC Animal Nutrition. Ivonic Animal Nutrition, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Victus Transition from DSM Animal Nutrition and Health can help your cattle get the beta carotene they need to improve fertility. Exelite by Protecta, a novel product for the management of hypocalcemia. It's uncomplicated excellence. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Welcome to the Dairy Podcast Show a weekly podcast where you'll find cutting-edge insights and everything that's working in the global dairy industry. Our Yeast 40 is a natural biotechnology from ICC designed to boost the health and productivity of animals under challenging production systems. Our Yeast 40 performance is supported by an unique processing technology that results in a pure product containing high levels of beta-glucans, MOS, and yeast metabolites. These factors, combined, promote the ruminal and intestinal modulation, helping the animals to reach their full potential. Hello and welcome to the Dairy Podcast Show again. This is Mark Thomas and it's a pleasure to be the host today and introduce to you Steve Bellinger from uh, Revely Livestock Concepts. Uh, Steve comes uh, to us today from uh, Central Texas. Uh, many years of experience uh, working in the nutrition area, uh, both with beef and dairy cattle. So, Steve, it's uh, great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it very much. So, um, as we get started here, we, we took some time to, to connect before uh, this recording, but uh, if you can give the audience a little bit of a background of uh, where you come from and how you get, got started in the industry and your years of experience, uh, certainly wide range. So some similarities between between uh, what we have done, uh, some international work, and so forth. So uh, great, great to have the opportunity to visit with you today. Well, thank you, thank you very much, Mark. Uh, yeah, I, again, uh, my name is Steve Blesinger. My company is Reveille Livestock Concepts. We're based out of Central Texas. Um, I'm kind of a native Texan, and as hard as I've tried to go someplace else, I always seem to end up here. Um, have been in the I guess, ruminant nutrition industry for at least 30 years. Uh, I grew up on a cattle farm here in Texas and, um, tr you know, went in some other directions, but went back to graduate school, collected a couple of degrees from uh, Texas A&M. And shortly after uh, graduating from them in 91, uh, I uh, went to a work uh, for a company called PMAG Products 
and was uh, immediately thrown into the dairy, the, into the dairy arena. And um, as we discussed a little earlier, at that point in time, about the only thing I knew about, you know, about the dairy industry was that milk came from black and white cows. And so uh, it was a super learning experience. It was a trial by fire. And uh, but since then, for the last 30 years or 30 plus years, um, I've actually worked on both on the on the on the dairy side and on the beef cattle side, which is. Has, has been a very, very interesting learning experience as well, because there are things that happen on the beef cattle in the beef cattle industry that I think make me a little bit better dairy nutritionist and vice versa. So uh, that that's been a, a been a great, great learning experience. Um, in addition to the work on directly with farms, um, I do a, a fair amount of corporate work with different companies in supporting their products, helping with research and development, uh, you know, I guess you call it technical marketing support, things of that nature. And um, that's given me the opportunity to work, uh, do, a, do a fair amount of international work. I've worked with, uh, you know, with, with, with different companies in uh, Mexico, like in the Torreon area, Mark, where I understand you're from, or living rather. And uh, then also in other other parts of the world, China, India, Pakistan, Turkey, uh, the Middle East. Uh, it's been it's been quite an interesting uh, interesting experience. So uh, uh, so that's that that's a lot of what what the way I've been spending the last few years. Um, I do uh, also coordinate some some research projects for uh, for some companies as well. And uh, and that has also been you know been quite a you know quite an interesting experience also. So Steve, that, uh, sounds like a very interesting and varied background, and, and I really like your point about the um, you know working in different areas or with with the beef side because um, as we spoke about a bit uh, before getting on this recording, um, our partners uh, Feedlot Health by Telus, um, you know as we work with them. Sometimes people say, well, you know, what's a dairy group um, doing being partners with a beef group? And uh, exactly, right? There's so many really uh, similarities, plenty of differences, right? But uh, how do we take concepts from different industries and, uh, and really challenge ourselves a bit to think outside of the box? Well, gee, what, we do this on beef. Why can't we do this on dairy or, or vice versa, right? And obviously with the now crossbreeding, uh, beef on dairy, uh, you know, where, where, where is that, those lines on beef versus dairy? I guess, you know, every, every good dairy cow eventually becomes a, a beef cow, hopefully, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, and that's, if you don't mind me, that was, that's been one thing that I've, I've worked with a number of my dairies over the years. You know, one of the, one of the questions always becomes, you know, okay, I have all of these, these bull calves that I've got to deal with. And, there's been a variety of, uh, you know, I guess methods that farms have used to, I guess, eventually get them off of the farm. And, uh, you know, and a lot of the, the producers that I've, you know, that I've had the, had the pleasure of working with have been intimidated by the idea of calves out and potentially finishing them simply because they, they throw that into the beef cattle side and they're, they're somewhat intimidated by the idea. And um, there's a real, I mean, there's a real opportunity for a revenue stream there 
you know, on a farm that's maybe maybe not doing something like that. So, uh, so anyway, so I, I apologize. I interrupted you, and uh, uh, but but I just wanted to mention that. No, no not at all. And I think that's a, a really great point as we, uh, you know, bring these industries together and, and, and really work for the common goal of uh, efficiency in the industry and, uh, you know, an, animal, certainly animal care, animal welfare side of things. So um, given that, uh, Steve, what, what are some of the, the uh, hot topics that you deal with day to day that you'd like to share with, with, with our audience today? Um, I know you, you, know, you said you've worked in, in research, but obviously very much sounds like, you know, boots on the ground, practical working with your clients. So uh, where do you see the, the opportunities right now? Unfortunately, we're, we're in this uh, another uh, downturn in, in milk price, which um, We'd rather not talk about, but we have to because it's real. You know, how, how do you, uh, what do you recommend to your clients to, to get through these uh, these low times? Right. Well, uh, you know, a really a, a, a significant portion of this is, you know, and we're we're doing much better as an industry now than we used to. But that is really looking at, at things like, you know, a, a just farm efficiency. You know, from my standpoint as a nutritionist, I I'm looking at you know, feed, you know, feed efficiency, which is something that, you know, the dairy, the, the dairy industry has really only grasped and, and wrapped their arms around in the last few years. And I think that is an area that we, we have more work to do in. We have more work to get a good grasp on, okay, you know, what does it mean to efficiently feed, you know, feed cattle? Because not only are we trying to, you know, are we trying to push for, Production components, uh, health and reproduction, but we're trying to do that as as inexpensively as we possibly can. But like in periods like we're going through right now, we have a tendency of trying to of, of attempting to you know cut costs in such a way that it may actually be detrimental to you know to the to the animal. It may be detrimental to the overall to herd health. Um, you know, and I'll give you an example. One one thing that's been common over the years is when we've gotten into these periods of time like this, uh, you know, the farm's trying to reduce cost. Well, one of the first things they'll they will want to do is start maybe you know cheapening up their mineral and vitamin premixes, their additive premixes. You know, and a lot of times that's going to be a combination product. But cheapening that thing down, or maybe even taking it out, you know, there there have been plenty of situations like that, and you know, for the short term, that might not be a too much of a problem. But I would like to suggest that it's a problem in the short term and in the long term. I realize that there's a cost there, but what is that cost? You know, say if you save a few pennies on that now, what's that going to result in? A month or three months or six months or something like that when things like maybe immune response has been compromised you know things of that nature and and I think we have to be very careful with that uh, so you know and then the other side of that is is that you know if we're trying to improve efficiency by you know especially by reducing cost that's going to be there's going to be some longer term um, decisions that have to be made in preparation for periods like this because they're inevitably inevitably going to happen you know for for every 
good, you know, for every good milk check that we get, you know, we probably get five that are not so good. Um, and the point being is, is that, you know, we need to be doing things like, you know, really carefully strategizing, like the forages that we're using. If we're producing, you know, if we're, if the farm is producing its own silage or hay or whatever the case might be, you know, are we making the right decisions as far as what, what those, you know, what those, you know, silage species are, whether corn silage or grass or whatever the case might be, and really focusing on, you know, what, what is that bringing for, to the table, especially when we get into periods like this. So, uh, so there's really lots and lots of areas that, that you kind of have to focus on. And, uh, you know, and it's a matter of, you know, where, where, what is the best way to, you know, to, to, you know, to, to, uh, um, I guess, you know, spend, spend the money that's there in order to support production and support performance. Those are all really relevant <clears throat> comments, uh, you know, and obviously in, in any cycle, but especially right now, uh, I guess more specifically um, on the topic of forage quality, you know, for many years in the industry, where do you see today some of the um, real opportunities in, in forage, you know, from the hybrid selection to the, the, the planting, harvest, storage, and so forth, you know, what, what are some areas that you really focus on with your clients where you see there's, uh, obviously it's, it's all of that, but where you really get that bang for the buck on, on, on excellent forage quality? Well, I mean, and it's a, you know, there's not one specific area, you know, you mentioned, you know, several different things, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, species selection, you know, what variety are you going to use? You know, I know I've, I've, I've had the, had the opportunity to work with several farms that actually, uh, they also had an agronomist on their consulting staff. And, uh, and I know I've learned, learned a tremendous amount from those folks. You know, there are a, such, such a huge number of different, and let's just talk about corn silage. You know, there are a huge number of different varieties that can be used I think that has to be very carefully. Those varieties have to be very carefully screened. I think it's important to look at the look at the research. I'm sure you guys have probably done some of that, you know, some of that type of work, uh, you know, to look at, you know, not only the you know the amount of dry matter a given variety can produce. Look at digestibility and you know and just how that you know how that plant can be turned into feed in the long run. Um, then the other side of that is looking at, you know, what is your, what is your harvest process? What is your, um, you know, I guess your, your, your packing and storage process. Are you using a, you know, an inoculant? What inoculant are you using? All of those types of things come together to produce a, you know, a, you know, a, a significant volume of your feed for the foreseeable future. And whatever decisions are made early on going into that, it's it's going it, it has a big effect on 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 me and my job, and uh, and honestly, I want to you know I want to uh, take all of the advantages that I can to make my job a little bit easier. So, uh, but at the same time, you know, we're talking we're not talking about a month or two. We may be talking about you know a we may be talking about a year. You know, it, it just it really depends. You know, so. So there's just, you know, it, I, I really can't emphasize enough how important 
that part of the, you know, I guess that part of the picture really is. And, you know, the need we have of, of doing the, the best background and research work on that type of thing that we can. Really getting it right the first time, right? Because as you said, if you have a pile that's going to last six, eight, 12 plus months, um, that hurts a lot when that's not the ideal quality for, especially for milk cows. Right. You know, another thing, and I'll, I'll just touch on this real quickly, you know, something we run into a lot of times, I've dealt with an awful lot of farms that, uh, you know, say they didn't, you know, they had as part of their ration, we were using, you know, a hay of some type. Maybe we were using a alfalfa, maybe we were using a grass hay. They weren't all, they were not always producing that themselves, which means they were reaching out and buying it from someone. And that is, you know, that, that is a whole nother can of worms when we talk about that, you know, that hay market and what that can be and the need to get, you know, proper analyses of that and, you know, getting what you pay for, you know, when you're investing that kind of money. So um, to me, that's, the, again, that that's another very important part of this picture. To move on a little bit to research, uh, Steve, you, you, you uh, mentioned that you do some uh, contract research and over the years you've done some different projects. Um, anything, uh, you know, from the, the recent past or something you're working on now that's, you uh, uh, mentioned in the, the area of uh, yeast and some supplements. So uh, uh, anything to share uh, from that standpoint? Right. Yeah, uh, we're, I think I mentioned to you, we're in the problem in the process right now of coordinating, uh, working on coordinating a couple of, of, of yeast studies, one on the beef cattle side, one on the dairy side. Uh, on the dairy cattle side, we are looking at um, a, uh, a yeast product that I work with quite a bit. Um, I mean, Mark, is it okay to mention a mention a, a particular name, or do we want to stay away from that? Uh, certainly, no. I guess uh, you know one one of the goals is for our producers to have some take home things they can implement tomorrow morning. So if, if there's some good reliable data, yes, absolutely. Well, this particular product, it's the 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 trade name here in the U.S. It's called R Yeast Forty. Other parts of the world, it's called rumen yeast. It's produced by ICC Brazil. It's a Brazilian product. And um, I've been working with this product in some shape, form, or fashion for 10 years now, something like that. Um, the study that we're working on coordinating is with a, uh, a robot dairy in, in central Texas, north central Texas. And uh, it will give us... And, and, and it's the first time that we've coordinated a study in a in a robot in a robot operation. Um, it's going to be interesting because there's so much data. You mentioned one thing that your company does is you're you're very, very data driven. There's so much data that's generated or collected by these robot dairies. It will give us a tremendous amount of opportunity not to just look at the effect on um, you know just milk production, component production, uh, animal health, reproduction, but it'll also be able to help uh, give us the opportunity to break that down into it with individual animal data and looking at, because, you know, within a given group of cows or a given herd of cows, you know, you're going to have different levels of dry matter intake. You're going to have different levels, like on a, in a dairy, you may have different levels of your of your supplement intake, which is how we're going to deliver uh, this particular yeast product. And it'll give us a more specific idea of 
you know, dosage dosage rates and effective dosage the effective dosage rates on you know milk production and you know component effects and things of that nature. And it'll be, I guess, what I'm saying is it'll help us dial down a whole lot close more closely on um, you know you know a lot of times maybe we as nutritionists don't pay the kind of attention that we should to feeding levels of different, you know, different products, different additives, you know, maybe we don't, maybe we don't get as specific as we should. And some of this data I'm, I'm thinking can help us get exactly that done. And, uh, you know, the other side of that is, you know, we're, you know, we have the opportunity to look at, you know, the effects on, uh, you know, we, there was a pre, some previous work done at the University of Florida with this product, and they did quite a lot of work on, Looking at starch metabolism, the effects of pH of you know the, with product use on ruminal pH and starch challenges, and uh, and subsequently the effect that that may have on you know on rumen function on and 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 fat levels, protein levels, things of that nature. So we have what we're you know what we're having. I guess the biggest challenge with is as I work on putting the protocol together for this is being able to limit, you know, the, you know, the amount of data that, that we're going to, we, we will be able to collect into a manageable, into a, at a to a manageable level. So, um, so I've, I've kind of rambled a bit on that, but um, really excited about the opportunities that, that, that we may, we may bring from this. Um, that sounds like a great opportunity, Steve. And I think uh, as we work with, you know, more and more technologies, especially on robotic dairies and, and the ability to get um, more data uh, really starts to answer, you know, more and more questions, right? Um, what uh, specifically looking into, I know, you know, the supplements and, and probably that's a really great place to, to uh, talk about a bit, you know, with again, current milk price, really having the data and the confidence that these added supplements, which cost, you know, in, in most cases, cents a day, but but that that adds up significantly, um, especially when the margin on on milk is is a lot lower. So, um, I guess as you work with your clients in that area, obviously you're doing some of your own research. But how do you uh, make those decisions or help your clients make those decisions? What what are what are the types of data you're looking for and so forth in order to you know there's a there's a new product. You know, maybe something like like this yeast product that you've been working with. You know, what 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 helps you guide those decisions for your for your dairy clients well, and your beef I, clients? You know, with? I, sure, I, I like to look at you know, like if, if let's say for instance a company a com- and we all have this when we're in my position and your position, we have you know various products that are brought to us. Uh, for consideration for use on our farms and for use with our, you know, our, our clients. And, you know, and it's been interesting to me over the years at the, you know, the, the I guess the wide range of data and in a lot of cases just basic information that, you know, that ends up on my desk, you know, to look at. What I really like to look at and, and, and have, to, you know, to consider is, you know, a certain amount of more, what I guess, more formal research, something that is done um, maybe in a very controlled environment uh, so we can really look at the specifics of how that, you know, how that product 
how that product works. But at the same time, along with that, you know, I do like to see, you know, the, the, the farm trials that, that someone may have done, because I like to see how it works in the real world. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we can, you know, we can run these trials in, you know, the very controlled environments of a, you know, of a university or a university farm, you know, assuming that all of that research has been, I guess, has been, uh, you know, has been done correctly. And, and there's plenty of opportunities for it not to be done correctly. But, you know, to do that, but then also look at it, you know, when I take that, that when I take that product out of that environment and I put it into, you know, this farm in this location or that farm in that location. And, and we know just if we look at nothing more than the United States, you know, we have a really wide variety of production environments. And if, if I can, if I can see research that has been done in similar production environments to what, you know, what, what my farms may be, where, where they may be located at, where they may, may they may be at that's more helpful and and I'll, you know a specific uh you know a specific example of that is you know if if you're if you're working with a farm in the texas panhandle where you know we're looking at mostly dry lot dairies you know uh you know very you know you know mostly corn silage diets things of that nature if you if someone brings me a study that has been based out of uh, like your the part of the world that you you originally came from up in the northeast on you know it, yes it may be silage but it's a completely different environmental uh, environmental conditions and forage types and you know just growing conditions and things of that nature you know it has there has I like to see those those diverse trials but I have to see something that applies to that you know, that particular farm environment that I'm considering. So, uh, so, and that's, that's kind of a, 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 a pretty big, pretty, uh, uh, you know, uh, I guess a pretty varied answer, but I mean, there's, for me, uh, there's an awful lot of things that I like to look at when it comes to making a decision on, yes, we want to try this product. So Steve, your, your answer would be really much, uh, in line with <laughs> our reply, if I was asked that question, and I, I think what we say all the time, um, you know, with with our group, especially working in many different regions, from like you said, the Northeast to the Central Valley of California to to uh, Torreon, Mexico, high desert, um, is exactly that. Okay, how does a product perform in a ration that's maybe almost sixty five percent forage, high corn silage diet, haylage in the Northeast compared to some rations that are in the low 30s uh, on forage uh, in in regions like Torreon and 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 exactly pen size, right? Uh, you know we have dairies that have 350 or more cows per pen, and there's a trial done in a in a divided pen of 25 cows, right? How how did what is the the behavior the the, the feeding behavior the biology all of that that affects a, a feed additive or some other management strategy. So, you know, really great to hear you say that. I think those are the types of trials or information that get us thinking, right? Okay, what, what's the potential? What's the possibility? But then, okay, how would this perform um, under these uh, other situations? So, uh, yeah, so, so great, great, great to hear your, your, 
you're certainly in line with, with that thought process. And if, and if I might, you know, Mark, one thing that, that, that I think that we probably need to do a little bit better, better job on, like for myself as a nutritionist, you know, we tend to be focused so much just on, you know, we, we've, we've developed these rations, we're using these additives, and it's having this effect on milk production and component levels. You know, I, I, I've gotten over the years to where I feel like it's very, very important for me to have a good relationship with whoever the, uh, the veterinarian or the consulting vet is on, uh, on that particular farm because, you know, I, I guess that's one thing that I've recognized over the years of how tied together or how interlaced nutrition, animal health, reproduction, how everything is. And, you know, it's good to have that, that discussion, that line of discussion, you know, with the vet so that I know for certain that, you know, if I'm formulating in a certain trace mineral profile, that we're having a positive effect on, you know, on mastitis levels, on just animal health in general, and on, uh, on coal rates, on, on, you know, breeding function, things of that nature. I mean, it's, it's you know, everything's tied together. And it's important, I think, that we recognize that and that we work, you know, that we work together to, uh, to deal with those things. Oh, 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 oh there we go. Yes. Um, no, I said that's, that's really great to hear because um, over the years, what we've seen in many cases is that disconnect between veterinarians and nutritionists. And I think that's a, a great topic to bring up, you know, for those listening is that, um, you know, working, working as a team, um, so many times the nutritionist gets blamed or the ration gets blamed when it's, it's far from the ration, it's the management and everything else. Right. So I think having that working relationship, um, you know, early on, I always tried to form those relationships. And, and I also recall, well, when I first started doing nutrition as a dairy veterinarian, I had a nutritionist approach me and, and actually said, and this was 20 plus years ago. You know what what's a veterinarian doing uh putting their hands in nutrition and my reply was uh, well name for me a disease of economic importance on the dairy that's not related to nutrition and i think it's mal malpractice for me to not understand nutrition to some extent and and to work um, either with the nutritionist or actually you know perhaps feed some herds <clears throat> so um, that's great but i think for for those folks listening nutritionists producers uh, veterinarians is, is really try to, to align and, 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 uh, bring those relationships together, you know, reach out a phone call, an email, uh, you know, go out to dinner and get to know each other. And how do we work together to reach the goals of the dairy, you know, and especially in nutrition and veterinary medicine there, in most cases, doesn't, there shouldn't be any competition there, right? Let's, let's work together to make things, uh, better and understand, the challenges too, because you know, just had a conversation recently with a colleague, and uh, it's really easy to maybe blame nutritionists or blame the veterinarian when you know the forage quality was the issue that they they had no control over. That's what they had to work with. And they said, "Sure, you can come up, come on our dairy and see this issue, um, but without better forage, we we can't get to that point. It's coming, you know." We, uh, but today we can't fix that like that. So I, I really appreciate those comments. Sure. Absolutely. Well, and, and again, you know, we, we have to keep in mind that, 
as much as we get wrapped up in you know what we are what we're doing ourselves individually at the end of the day we're still working for that dairyman and you know in our our goal it it should be our goal is to make sure he's got he's got the 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 best most cost effective performance that he can get the best animal health you know everything that's involved because you know at the end of the day if he's not there then it gives us one less thing to do and uh and that's that's not a good thing yeah no absolutely absolutely um so i think that's especially if there's if there's any younger producers uh nutritionists veterinarians listening i think there's a great opportunity to uh you know in your early career um build those relationships get to know those folks and 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 hopefully they'll reciprocate i know sometimes i hear i've tried to reach out to someone and they and they haven't well you know keep making those contacts keep keep trying to build those relationships i believe right right absolutely it's time for our famous three we want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible with early detection in health reproduction and feeding SmaxTech future-proofs your dairy operation. Your partner for improving animal performance, Berg and Schmidt, Diamond V, because animal health deserves a healthier approach. AB Vista, feed intelligence and targeted ingredients to optimize rumen function. Adiseo USA, producers of Smartamine M and MilkPay.com. Data shows most cattle don't get enough beta-carotene. DSM's Victus Transition can help support your cattle's fertility and colostrum quality through beta-carotene supplementation. Learn more at dsm.com forward slash Victus Transition. Maximize profitability and herd health with early detection in animal health, reproduction, calving, and feeding. The most advanced bolus technology and professional support from agricultural experts makes this possible. SmaxTech the health system that future-proofs your operation. So, Steve, um, uh, a few of the questions that we tend to um, wrap up as we as we uh, bring the, the podcast to the end is uh, one is uh, you know what's a uh, either a, a a book or publication or in some cases it's a other resource online resource that you reach to and would recommend to the audience for dairy specifically uh, or in, in this case you know the beef or or agriculture in general well I'd, I'd have to say right now probably one of the more um useful pieces of, of information that's out there is the new i get we used to refer to it as the nrc but the it's the new NAESM or or, or uh, whatever that publication is known now, but the uh, the new uh, dairy NRC that came out just you know a year or so ago um, has got some very very good information there. Um, like I mentioned to you earlier, I I tend to be real focused on the on the mineral side of things. A lot of the newer the newer mineral data, the newer mineral requirements for uh, uh, or I guess you know how we go about feeding has been particularly useful to me and uh, in, in fine tuning a lot of the a lot of the work that I've done there. So so I'd have to tell you that that's probably one of the you know one of the really important ones that, that I see right at this point in time. 
No, that, that's a great. Uh, I I know uh, it, it's not necessarily the the, the book you uh, you pick up to read, right? Um, but but certainly it's a great reference. And I think if you do, uh, what I found is you know sometimes a topic comes up and and you can actually read a section or, or chapter if you will, or, you know if that's on fats if you will. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not something to sit down and and, and, and dig into. Um, yeah, I think I think we'll still with it uh, and and ASEM, but we'll probably all still re re refer to it as the NR, the NRC or the or the new NRC, right? As we um, as we maybe try to disconnect now and again, uh, some of us are better than than others at that. But uh, any any recent read, documentary, or anything that uh, uh, sparks some interest to share with others. I know right now one thing that I am spending and spending a fair amount of time trying to wrap my brain around, and is you know we 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 all we're all hearing about you know how all of the advancements in in AI in in, in artificial intelligence is affecting you know we're looking at it in terms of how it affects you know the media and how it affects things on the internet and so on, but you know, there are going to be some very significant implications on how that works within, you know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned earlier on the, on the data that we collect, you know, that we collect on farm and the, the, the ability that that's going to give us. And I'm going to, I'm going to stick my neck out and say on the positive side, because there's so many people that are really looking at the negative side of that. But I think there's going to be an opportunity to really help us manage the massive amount of data that we collect off of the uh, off of the on the farm, and it'll really I think it can help us in decision making processes. There's, but the problem that we have is the you know the average guy like you know like like myself or you know you know a lot of a, a lot of dairymen beef cattle producers. You know, we 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 understand about that much of what they're talking about when uh, you know when 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 they're discuss when we're hearing them discuss that. So uh, you know, so that's an area that, like I said, I'm I'm spending a fair amount of time really kind of reading whatever I can get my hands on that helps me understand how that works, how it could be applied to different you know to different. Uh, you know, to different disciplines, how it can be used in agriculture, in dairying, you know, whatever the case might be. So, uh, you know, so I would, I would, I would give to you that that's kind of where you know some things that I'm looking at right now. And that's really interesting, Steve. I know in our group here, um, quite a few of us have been uh, looking to uh, chat uh, GPT for you know some answers. And I think a really important point: if you are somewhat of an expert, if you will, or very knowledgeable in that field, you've perhaps find that some of those uh, replies are pretty good, but need some editing, right? So I think it, it, what's kind of neat is it could make you look really good um, to uh, edit that and then be able to share something from there. But if you are not knowledgeable in the industry, be careful too, right? Because some of that information is not quite correct or, or is pretty vague. And, you know, so... <clears throat> Uh, I think just yeah, probably a good lesson. Be careful, right? You you got to filter filter all of that. Yeah, 
but it is it is pretty cool and, and really amazing sometimes with, with the speed at which you get some uh, generated reply. Well, it, it has made me wonder a little bit because uh, I've been blessed or cursed or however you put it to uh, to have the opportunity to to write for a number of publications, you know, in, in either on the beef cattle side, dairy cattle side over the last number of years. And I've, I've, I've been wondering as I've been, you know, kind of perusing this stuff going, okay, am I, am I about to work my, am I, am I, am, am I about to be worked out of a job? You know, just simply because, you know, a, a magazine editor can go, okay, I need all the information you can give me on XYZ topic. I don't have to call Steve to get that done. So, uh, you know, it, it's kind of made me, made me a little, I guess, a little concerned about that. No, that's been a little bit of the joke in, in some of these platforms is that, you know, it, it will replace uh, certain employees, perhaps. But again, I'll still say the benefit, well, hopefully someone with knowledge of that topic is reviewing that before it gets published, because you want to make sure that the, the AI uh, got it right. <laughs> um, and and then as we uh, as we close, a word to the, the folks out there is... Uh, Regarding, you know, what, what what separates those dairy producers that are um, successful, and, and there's many ways to uh, measure success. Um, you know, it's it's beyond milk production, but a, a successful business um, compared to those who, you know, maybe struggle. Or unfortunately, I just heard in the last week of two dairies that are selling with this downturn in the Northeast, and you know, that's uh, as you said, we we don't want to see that, but that's the reality of those businesses that. That haven't been able to, to strive. So you know what, what you have many years of experience. You've seen uh, businesses come and go. You've seen those that have probably been with you your entire career. What are some of those key points that have kept them um, to be successful businesses? Sure, I, I and, and that's that's a really good question. And I think the uh, you know the, the list is probably longer than we have time to cover. But um, you know. Just and these are in no order of, of priority. That's just you know things that I've seen. You know, really, one of them is uh, you know a willingness to learn and a willingness to you know pay attention to the things that are going on, pay attention to the the developments, and understanding that you know. And I run into this more in the beef cattle industry than I do in the dairy industry. But we have a a tendency to get locked into we've always done it this way where we're, we're, we, we can't change anything. So we have to be, have to be open to the new things and the change. I mean, you don't necessarily run straight there to it, but you have to be open to that. Um, pay attention to detail. The small things can, can eat you alive if you're not, you know, if you're not paying attention to that. Gary, I worked with, you know, a number of years ago, we, we were doing a great job on, 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 uh, you know, on the rations we were building. We had great ingredients, you know, everything worked great until we got to the point where the feed was being delivered into the, on, onto the feed lane. And the, the, the guy that was, you know, was, was, was delivering feed did a horrible job of, of, of making sure that they, there was an even amount of feed going out to, you know, to those cows. And it was partly his problem, partly the mixer wagons problem. And that problem had been there for a couple of years before I got to end the, and the dairyman had just never noticed it. 
So paying attention to detail is is a big thing. The farms that I have seen that have been just historically the most the most uh, successful have been the ones that have been very careful about managing debt, getting you know trying to ending up saddling yourself with too much debt either in terms of you know buying cows, building building facilities, buying equipment, things of that nature. Um, you know, the, I mean, it's a necessary evil, but at the same time, you really, really need to be very, very careful with that. And when you give, when you look at this, you know, when you look at the scale of some of the modern dairy farms that we have that are, you know, you're looking at thousands and thousands and thousands of cows, you know, the, 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 the financial aspect of that is, can be pretty overwhelming. So, you know, so that's a big, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, and then, you know, I guess the last thing that I would, you know, I would throw out there and it goes back to something we, we talked about earlier is that during periods like, like they are right now, when, you know, when the, when the, you know, when the economy or, or the economics are challenging, be a little hesitant in simply, you know, going out there to and 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 pulling things out of the ration, pulling things out of your program, you know, even on the health side of it or the breeding side of it or whatever, but pulling things out that you think are going to save you money, and they probably they may very well save you money today, tomorrow, for the coming week or the coming month, but in the long run, they can have some pretty significant implications. So. Uh, so that's we had three or four things that just immediately come to mind when I think about that. Well, I, I think those are excellent uh, points. You know, always being open to learning uh, all the time. Uh, you know, I guess uh, I look forward to that every day, learning something new. And then, you know, uh, debt control within uh, and, and cost control within reason. And, and um, those comments hit home also as, you know, in my career, uh, as a veterinarian, seeing things like minerals, like you said, vaccines, reproductive programs um, removed for the cost, and then the, the the effect, the downstream effect of that was far greater in losses and economic losses than um, than the savings of those of those pennies. So, uh, yeah, the strategic, you know, least cost is not always the best. It's it's maximum. Uh, output or maximum gains right so um yeah. so steve it's been a real pleasure to visit with you today um i guess uh also uh, interesting how you know a lot of uh, your thoughts and, and concepts are, are things that, that we um, hold um as important also and, and it's great to hear that as we you know uh, work with producers um, whether that be beef dairy or, or other industries um so um, again, thanks to all our listeners uh, today for tuning into the Dairy Podcast Show. Uh, we look forward to uh, visiting with you again soon on future podcasts. And uh, uh, Steve, again, thanks for taking your time today. You bet. Thank you, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs>